0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, Thank you for listening to the Executive Athletes podcast. I believe this is our 10th episode, which is unreal of how quickly this has grown. Actually, maybe our 11th. Um, We're getting a number of really good listeners, a number of really good guests. So keep your feedback coming. Thank you for being part of this. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always feel free to reach out to me at Ken at executiveathletes.com. And I love hearing feedback, good, bad, um, indifferent, and any suggestions of good people you want to hear, just feel free to reach out to me. So this week's guest is a bit unique. He's actually, um, one of the other guys, John Brubaker was one of the first and Toby around the same time. It's really a catalyst behind putting the podcast together. Um, you know, I Bounce a number of ideas off Toby, a bit of a mentor in this, in, in growing the business and growing executive athletes to what it is, and really seeing the direction that this can go in. So, and I think he was, again, sort of a bit of a catalyst to say, hey, you got to do a podcast because there's so many people out there that want to listen to guys that are like you and I in the executive athletes world, people that push the limits in business, that push the Limits in sport that push the limits and being passionate and chasing all of our passions. So, this guest, uh, Toby Levine, funny story. uh, We probably grew up 10 miles from each other back in central Massachusetts. And I actually graduated from high school with a sister, and we never really knew each other. And you, you get connected. 3000 miles away. He's now out in Portland, Oregon. I'm actually sitting on the coast of Maine north of Portland, uh, Portland, Maine right now while I'm doing this and it's amazing what a lot of times you grow up next to people you have no idea who they are until you're actually a long ways away. So that's we're living in parallel universes growing stuff and probably competing together back in the late 80s and the early 90s. But Toby's a fellow New Englander, like I said, now living out in Portland, Oregon and it's probably one of the most bizarre resumes ever. Um, we have all done funky stuff growing up, and Toby's probably the, the limit of doing that. Um, again, you know his, his resume goes from being a commercial fisherman off the coast of New England to being a pilot to being a construction co- uh, contractor to being an avid hunter, um, triathlete. Printing CEO, um, guru in the, in the early world of the dot com market. He was a venture backed entrepreneur, uh, CEO, CEO coach, homeschool teacher, Crossfitter, husband, dad, and is, a, is passionate about growing business. And one thing he didn't mention is he was one of the, he led the education world of YPO, which is uh, many of you know, you know, an organization for budding entrepreneurs globally. Um, so he's got a pretty good resume that I think is diverse. You get lots of insight from all different angles that, you know, many of us haven't seen. So it's going to be a pleasure to have Toby as a guest to give us some insight of, of business from being a fisherman point of view, being a hands-on contractor point of view and really seeing what you can and can't do. And Toby pushes the limits in all different, uh, aspects of his life. So. Toby, welcome aboard and would love to, you know, give us your story. Give us a 5,000 foot overview of, of what you've done. and um, But it's, you know.
1: Well, thanks, Ken, for that. that was really nice. intro. I appreciate it. Um, you know, gosh, what's my journey? Well, you mentioned my resume. I've done a lot of weird things. Um, right now, I'm actually doing something I never would have expected to be doing. I'm running a label manufacturing company with a plant here in Oregon and Malaysia. Um, kind of a really weird thing is my printing company's name was LVI, and this company is named LGI. It's just a little freaky. Wow. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, and it's sort of printing again. I don't even, it's a complete coincidence how this happened. Um, that, that's probably like a whole other episode. But so at any rate, I have this huge theory, as you know, around leadership and the fact that our economy is changing from the last American dream to the next American dream. And here I am running this pretty traditional, mature, you know, business industry and the opportunities for differentiation are, you know, pretty limited in, in the old ways. You know, everyone's got the same equipment. We've got great people and great manufacturing, but pretty much so does all the competition. Price is pretty much the same. So what do you say to people? And so that kind of leads to, you know, this big movement of mine, the next American dream and how to think about growing your business. If you own one, building a business, if you don't and building your career, if you're kind of, you know, a combination of all that. And so You know, it really goes back to, like, at least fourth grade that I can remember. Um, I grew up, you know, I started even commercial fishing when I was a kid and doing a lot of other odd jobs, right? And I was a terrible student. I was always in trouble around the kind of school stuff. And But in my non-school time, I'm working with these adults, and I'm getting all this incredible positive feedback, right? And I love working. It's like, and I'm, so part of me is asking myself, well, you're telling me that I'm doing bad in school and school's about preparing me for the real world. But then I go in what seems like the real world. I'm working with adults doing real stuff. And they're telling me I'm great. What gives? And so I started seeing this weird misalignment and disconnect. And really at that age. And that kind of evolved all the way through school and past college. And, you know, somewhere along the way, you know, I kind of had one foot in trying to play the old way and then this other foot, like trying to go find this new way. I think that's one of the places that you and I, you know, hit it off so well, Ken, is because I think that describes a lot of us, right? We can put on the suit, we can kind of hang out with the whole old executive world, but there's this huge craving inside of us to go do that, but in an entirely new way that fits better with our life, right? And I... I think, you know, this is something that's going on, I think, for everyone, right? Um, so at any rate, somewhere along the way, I got kind of sucked into that way more than than I would like to have. And that's kind of, uh, I'll, I'll save that for, you know, a little bit later. But the other thing I noticed is that in doing a lot of CEO coaching and being a part of YPO and seeing tons of different businesses, it was like Groundhog Day talking to CEOs. Like, Short of the stories we hear about some radical new whiz bang thing in Silicon Valley, the rest of us are involved in fairly mature, kind of standard stuff. And, and they're like stuck. They're, they're like trying to go run their business. Like the last American dream, like people are an assembly line in a factory, but the demands of what needs to be done to succeed, you know, require all this kind of out of the box creativity and thinking. And it's this really difficult impasse. Like on the one hand, people want to do cool, creative, interesting stuff. But on the other hand, they're being kind of, you know, a lot of times being in environments that sort of treat them like a, you know, a cog a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I look around America and I see like, this unbelievable maxed out anxiety despite the fact that we've got ridiculously more than our grandparents have ever had ridiculously more than like 90% of the world. See, it's like, what's going on here? This is more than just being fat and lazy. I mean, there's something else going on here. And so the next thing, you know, you know are always talking about is like, well, now you also have all this technology that, to reshape the way we, the way we do, and see work in life right that's one of the big things you and i like to to kind of riff about like right. how do you kind of make this thing yeah and so and so i think people are coming to this realization that the old prescription and definition of like success it's like a fool's errand right and they're beginning to open up to some radically new possibilities and i'd say beginning we're at the we're we're all at sort of different places in this awakening but I, I would maintain that everything we're seeing in the news right now is basically a reporting of the symptoms of that failing paradigm,
0: right? Well, I think it's an inflection it, point of technology yes. meets new school meets old school, right? And yeah, in our generation, I think Gen X that you and I are in are the merging of those two of we use technology, but we also know how to pick up the phone and go, you know, uh, I don't know, hay a field in the same perspective where our parents' generation knew how to hay the field and, you know, the new generation only knows technology. And and being in that merge is, I think for the last 10 years is really where I think we're like what you're chatting about is we're right at the beginning of something that's even going to be greater than what it is. But and you're you're working yeah. on it. I'm working on it. Try to identify what that is. And it may happen in the next five years. It may have the next twenty years. But we're at that inflection point of what was isn't going to be what is.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, Ken. And it's it's funny. It looks like there's a million things going wrong right now. But I, I, what I'm trying to show people is it's one thing. We're literally. Exiting the last era of American prosperity, and there's a bunch of people who are still doing really well, or at least well enough from that, and they're like trying to cling on to it with all their might. And then there's others that don't have an attachment to that past and are leaping into the future, and then there's people stuck sort of in the middle, right? I think that's a lot of what kind of like the millennial story is it's like they can see that they don't want to get on the last you know be the last on the last train of the last like sort of steam train the last car (laughs) but they're not quite sure how to get on this express train that they know is available as well that goes into the future. So I don't know, that's probably a terrible metaphor, but I literally see it that way. Um so I'm doing this really crazy thing in this company. Um I'm running or we're running a weekly hero unschool workshop. So that's what I kind of call my school, the hero unschool, because we have to unschool ourselves from a lot of broken old paradigms. And we have to learn how to contribute. We have to figure out what is really special about Ken or Toby or whoever else that we can weave into this thing so we can experience this awesome combination of work and life that we're seeing emerge on the web. You and I talk about some of our idols, like people who really have found a cool space and it creates an amazing life. And, you know, I think you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys who's figuring out, I mean, how to make that bridge. And by the way, I think you you mentioned the Gen X. I think this is, history will retell this, is this is our big thing. Our job in this process is to be that bridge. We're mm-hmm. old enough to remember a phone where you had to stick your finger in it to dial, but we're young enough to be, you know, reasonably adept at handling the new technology. And there's a lot of benefits to that.
0: And, you know, you've been, you're, you've been a serial entrepreneur. You've been a leader. You're creating a movement, you know, a kick-ass master's athlete, you know, mentor to many. And, you know, you've probably, you know, you've coached amazing CEOs, athletes, Nike pro athletes, the whole deal. You know, throughout your career, <clears throat> what do you think makes people successful? What differentiates the successful from the non-successful?
1: That's my favorite question because that's what I started asking myself, like in fourth grade, then again in college. And then I also had this 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 other period through YPO and being around a lot of just I guess a lot of so so called success. And you know, I don't want to make this sound you know, uh, ultra cynical, but I would say success in the last American dream was net worth, right? I mean, mm-hmm. money's awesome. It, it gives us freedom and it does a lot of cool things.
0: It's a scorecard. And we
1: like to say it's family and love and health and everything else. But really, 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 if you look at what people do, not what they say, you'll see that it's an overwhelming part of our narrative. I mean, if you go and Google a famous person on, the, on, the, on, the, uh, on your browser, and it does that autofill, one of the first things you'll see in autofill is net, net worth. So what's that tell you? It tells you that Google watches people go into the, what, what do they want to know about somebody? How much money they got? And I really think, and there's a, there's a sort of this means of achieving it, right? It's like, go to school, get a job, work hard, and you know this is going to somehow happen. And, and that's definitely part of the deal. But the the people that I'm coming to see as successful are hitting it on a a whole nother set of dimensions, right? There's this confluence of work and life are not these completely separate things. And because that work-life balance, we're constantly hearing about it. It's like this unbelievable tug of war that's just driving people crazy. And so what we're doing with this workshop at our place is like, all right, With all the time we spend at work, you know, more than half our waking adult hours, work should make us better, right? Right. I mean, if we were on a professional, you know, right now it's the NBA finals, right? If if we're on one of those teams and we're not getting better at work, something's wrong. (laughs) And so we literally create paid time where this is 100% about you and building, you know, and improving your life. Because I know that if I can lower the water level of people's lives, all of a sudden, all the creativity, the engagement, everything that companies are just dying to have happen with their employees, it just starts happening naturally. And, you know, after only nine months of this, you know, new experiment, it's already generating, you know, testimonials and anecdotes and breakthroughs that, you can't buy, you can't manage they just have to happen. It's really cool
0: and what about you know and and talk to you know talk to us about that you know ab- about that paradigm shift you know internally with your organization you know this is a topic for a book
1: yeah, you know it's look we're in the early stages of it, you know nine months isn't that long really. right but you know we've got a really diverse workforce um like, we literally got a couple of guys that escaped the Khmer Rouge. They're like like 30, 40 years ago. I mean, y- you talk to them about what it's like to to be able to go to go into the complete unknown, with nothing but the shirt on your back? <laughs> they get it. For a lot of us it's a history lesson, we try to, we try to imagine what it might have been like to be the first you know settlers in America. Like the first people to get on a wooden boat, cross the ocean, three months of like throwing your brains out and no brochure, no realtor, right? No map.
0: And here's (laughs) a bunch of trees. Oh, I can't even imagine. It's amazing. Or I try to imagine and it's just mind blowing.
1: But it's kind of useful to think about it though. I mean, Because we talk about how scary it is to start a podcast or a website or all these things that we've tried to do, right? Right. It's like, imagine that.
0: Yeah, that's the real deal.
1: It is, right? So, but necessity is the mother of invention. I think that's a huge thing. I think if you can find something that really is, I like to say, pisses you off, right? That, and you start to figure it out, all right, I could go whine and complain about this, or I could find out who else gives a darn about this, and I could start to be a solution to them. And that's how you and I met. I, I Second, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn like a lot of people. I've seen plenty of groups and all this other stuff. But this thing just shot off the screen at me. Executive athlete. Somebody named something that I didn't even have a word for. I was like, that's me. Because working out at the level that we do and having, you know, high level executive, you know, responsibilities and careers, it's a very... It, it's a different thing. It's more than, oh, the person that goes and gets on the stepper for 20 minutes at the gym three days a week. It's a, it's a different thing. And so here you are, this guy. You're like, I don't want to be the suit, but I do want to earn a good living. And this executive recruiting place is a pretty cool industry. I'm good at it. I like it. But there's parts of it that I don't like. How do I make this cool? How do I make it fun? And you go and invent a category of people just like you. That stuff drives, I mean, that to me is the most exciting thing about this next future. It's like if you told your career counselor back at Wachusett however many years ago, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm going to have my own radio show, and I'm going <laughs> to create this group. I'm going to have tens of thousands of people, and it's all going to be about you know, executives who train and work out and compete. They'd be like, you're crazy. That's never gonna happen. Well, guess what? It's happened.
0: Well, and that's I think that's where, again, I think merging and I and talking about from the recruiting perspective, that's where people connect. People connect via passion. And I talk to so many people that are in this business. And one of the things that I really talk to you know, when I'm interviewing people or interviewing leaders, it's it's all about connection right? That's what people want. People want to connect. And I think as connected as we are in today's world, we're probably more disconnected than ever. And this allows yeah. for that connection, right? That's really what I wanted to pursue with executive athletes is to get people to connect and connect through their passion. And it's not just connecting through athletics. People can do it connecting through art or music or computer programming or whatever they do, whatever they're passionate about. And I think that's, and again, sort of back to my question to you about success. I think that's what people are really starting to look at success about versus, you know, the house with the white picket fence and the beach house, and Mm -hmm. there's this and there's that. And I think going into moving forward, I think success is going to be defined completely different than what it once was. And I think success prior and you and I have chatted about this was almost this made up thing to make you feel like you're successful. So you just get enough to keep going to keep paying your yeah. bills. And but, I think, know, but I like
1: to point out, yeah, but for our grandparents, it was a good deal. Oh yes. The, 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 the whole lifestyle and upward mobility and earning and the, in the availability of certain like life changing conveniences, it, forget whether works was satisfying. They got excitement on a whole nother plane, but we were born into all that convenience. So there was no way you're going to motivate us with it. And that's a big part of what's going on. And so, you know, I look at what, what you're doing and I'm like, you know, the the executive recruiting, headhunting, recruitment space, it's gigantic. I mean, gigantic. And you come along and say, executive athlete, wow, all of a sudden. That whole universe comes right into sharp focus. That's your product. You're going to go and find for me people that are high, high performing, high quality executives who have that athlete mentality. Now, not everyone in the market's going to want that. But some people who get it are going to really want it. And obviously, it resonates for some of us in a big way. So, you know, hats off to you for that. It's amazing.
0: Oh, thank you. And, you know, you're, again, let's sort of go back to, you know, what we were mentioning before, creating a movement, right? We've seen the importance of, of tribes, you know, Seth Godin and, you know, the new Sebastian Younger book of creating tribes and a thousand true fans. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're doing that with the next American dream. Tell us a bit about, you know, building your own movement, you know, and what was the well, need that you saw? It,
1: I have... A new way of looking at success and going forward, and I started going to the market with that, with my whole idea of the hero one school. But guess what? No one knows yet that they need the hero one school. We still think we can use last American Dream, the courses on the internet, business school, what have you, and go succeed into the future. And I, and, and no amount of talking really can convince people otherwise. And so I had this epiphany. It's like you know what? I need to talk about the change. I need to go kind of try to build a following of people who see hey next american dream what's that about yeah that is that is what's going on okay i like this guy well wait a minute how do i go do this and then maybe the hero one school kind of evolves. so i was doing that even with ceos which ultimately led to one of my clients to ask me to you know run his company and now we're this company in effect is the headquarters and the birthplace of that movement and of this school, so it's kind of a cool, cool uh, marriage.
0: No, it definitely is. It definitely is. And you know, let's sort of step back. You know, overcoming adversity. Um, you know, obviously, sure. back in yeah, you you know were riding high and you know living the life, and next thing you know, you know dealing with bankruptcy of your business. And tell us a little bit about overcoming that and you know that adversity because yeah. that's that's never fun.
1: No, well, you know what? Oh god, I wish it on everybody. I used to say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Now I say I wish that on everybody. Because I knew the universe was kind of whispering and then it started tapping on the shoulder a little harder and a little harder and then it finally just took a club out and just walked me on the head. Um, you know, I you know, I lost my company as you know, and then I was at the same time I was the CEO of another company was venture backed, I got fired, right? I lost Basically all of my stuff and kind of realized eventually that that wasn't even important. But I'll tell you one thing that I think everyone that's listening to this podcast needs to, needs to internalize, right? So when I was like a big shot CEO and I had a lot of money, there was always the possibility that I could be the source of someone's next job, that I could be the source of investment capital. Or someone, or I could be the customer of someone trying to sell a high ticket item, right? So there were a lot of people sort of orbiting me. I felt like I had a tribe. Like I, I didn't know what the tri- word tribe was at the time, but I felt like, hey, I could go start anything because there's a bunch of people that are paying attention to me. And what was unbelievably humbling and I think telling is that as soon as I lost those things, I didn't have anybody that believed what I believed. Not really. Not like, hey, you have executive athletes. You could lose everything, but that's not why people are following you. They're following you because of executive athletes. I like to tell the Seth Godin story, right? Seth Godin, I'm convinced, could lose like aliens could vacuum everything out. He could go to a cafe tomorrow, write a blog, and say, you know what? I thought I just lost all my stuff. And I was thinking hey, this is probably something we're all concerned about. And I thought, well, how about we get together for the weekend and talk about how to deal with that kind of adversity? $500 a ticket, 1,000 seats only, right? That fast, he would be, he'd be right back in business. right? Because people give a damn about him, and you're building the same kind of a following. So we have to think very differently about title and status versus a true identity. A true identity is you're the leader of something that people give a damn about. People need you. And it really changes, I think, how we see success. I, you asked earlier about like what's success. To me, I went through this journey where I thought success was one thing. And then I started to realize, no, you, it's going to sound a little corny, but it's like you want to be remarkable, right? You, you want people to be remarking about you because there's a story about you that people want to be near that's success in my mind, because from there, you can do everything.
0: No, it's huge. And, you know, what do you think about sort of, we'll step into the athletic side of things and health and wellness, you know, what role does, does that play in, you know, personal and professional success?
1: (laughs) This just came up first recently. um, People judge books by their cover, get over it. Right. Yeah. Our body is like, right. So how we look, you know, uh, I'll I'll admit it. I mean, part of my athletic drive is, is partly based in vanity. I I, want to look fit. I want to look the part. And we, we, people, most people respond to it. Certainly the people that, whose attention I most want to get. Right. So and plus, you know, our body is like, it's a vessel for our mind and our spirit. Right. So success ultimately comes down to leadership. In some area, right? It's like, hey, you're the leader of this thing called executive athletes. And leadership's a grueling sport, right? It's, it's, it's an endurance. Sometimes it's an uphill sprint. It's tough. And you better be in shape if you're going to do it well. And so when, when you talk about an athlete, I mean, an executive who's also an athlete, my ears perk up because of what I believe. Uh, you know, I, I personally don't believe that, you know, some boneless chicken in a suit is going to is gonna do as well as somebody who's up at 5 a.m. getting their stuff together every day. That's just, that's my view.
0: No, it's discipline. It's, you know, it's the quote, discipline is freedom. And I think that's really where everyone probably listening to this knows that, right? It's the discipline of getting up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. to go out and train before you go to work. And knowing that you don't want to affect your family. And that's one of the things I always trained super early or super late due to the fact that I knew it was for me, I knew it was for my health, but I didn't want it to affect my kids growing up or my wife. So I always subscribe to the – no one can really complain about it when they're sleeping. So that's really when I did a lot of my training. And, you know, I know you're the same way, and probably 80% of the people listening to this are the same way is – we want to excel in all phases and going after something um of you know training that can be just and it may be someone who just started six months ago to start getting off the couch and wants to run their 5K to the person who does the DECA Ironman, right? It's it's everything in between and and all it really comes down to is the comfort zone of what you're pushing the guy doing the deck of Ironman's just as uncomfortable as the person getting off the couch to do their 5k. And a lot of people don't realize that, but it's just pushing the comfort zone of, of what's there and really understanding that the comfort zone is the same for everyone. It's, I love this old Greg Lamont quote, you know, it doesn't get any easier. You just go faster. (laughs) And it's really, and it's so true right? It's it's the same amount of work, no matter if you've never done it before or you're the best of the best. You still have to put that work in. Yep, absolutely Um, true. You know, if you're a a budding athlete or master's athlete that's looking to take the next level in performance, both in the workplace and, you know, out on the field or the road, what would you tell them?
1: Well, you know, I would definitely try to help them understand see this distinction that I was talking about earlier, the difference between like a, a title in a profession or a vocation and building a personal identity, right? Because the, the title, the job, like that's a means to a paycheck and not like that's a bad thing, but I would rather you be building over time, a capacity to produce a surplus on your own because of who you are, not because of the fact that you have, you know, a W 2 coming from XYZ Corp. Right. So I definitely want them to understand that distinction. The next thing I'd say is, you know, <laughs> this is a shameless plug, but come work on my team. And, and, uh, and I think maybe the, you know, the second best thing is like start paying attention to this movement we're up to because I really do think we're sharing some distinctions that just people need to understand young and old because I think it really, helps people to see what the heck's going on in a, in a light that we can be optimistic about and that we can actually take action on rather than just being you know, scared, scared to death and paralyzed.
0: No, that's huge. And I think and having that willingness to just educate yourself too. Um, right. You know, Business schools are a study of the past. They're not a study of the future. And I think you're almost better yeah. off you know, you can get your own MBA by reading Fast Company and Entrepreneur Magazine and listening to podcasts quicker than you can by going to business school because it's a study of what's happening last month versus, or a study of what's, what's happening next versus, you know, the old school, like you were saying.
1: As you know, you know, we recruit with uh, weekend tryouts. They run from Friday to Sunday and the young folks that that come try out their promise is from us is that this is going to be a three-year alternative MBA I mean, you're going to get paid for it. And, but you're going to learn more here in three years than you could learn at the best business school in the world, because it's going to be the real stuff you're actually going to have hands on. It's not going to be theory. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I think I think Mark Cuban said it somewhere along the way, figure out a way to get paid to learn. Oh,
0: no, it's true. It's so yeah. true. All right. And sort of in closing there, I get some you know, quick rapid fire questions that are, that are always fun towards the athletic perspective. So do you follow any specific diet?
1: I would say I'm pretty paleo. Yeah, I'm pretty paleo.
0: What about, what's your favorite piece of gear?
1: Oh, my favorite piece of gear. Well, as you, you know, my sport now is kind of extreme backcountry elk archery hunting right so going way back in the country so uh, you know i I guess it's probably my boots (laughs) i don't know
0: (laughs) a good pair of boots that no matter it can save your life
1: (laughs) nice something like that
0: and what is uh what'd you do for a workout today or will you do for a workout
1: today's leg day and so um if all goes according to plan tomorrow i will have trouble sitting down (laughs)
0: the toilet test (laughs) Yes, but no and and thanks toby for being part of this i really appreciate it it's been a blast i love you know your fresh perspective on the market of what's happening and where you're going and i think a lot of it is if you really focus on again like you said your identity it almost creates a recession proof ability for what we're doing um Absolutely. and no i think and and thank you for the insight and you know thanks for your time so and, and where can people find you
1: well look if you're anyone's out here in the northwest you're welcome to come and sit down in one of our sessions just just contact me through linkedin or through ken um also you can go to tnad.us that's an abbreviation for the next american Dream.us. so tnad.us link in with me on linkedin and you know if you want subscribe to our vlog the next american dream on YouTube hunting
0: for the next American dream technically. Perfect. No, thanks Toby. And again, if anyone has any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to email me at Ken of the executive and this I'm looking forward to getting this up there. So have a great day, everyone. Go out, train hard this week and you know keep it rolling.